it's scary. That's where the risk comes in. You know, it's like, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually go do it. It's like, I see the person, I want to ask them out. Well, could you do it? Are you capable of doing it? Now you got to make that decision and that's going to be scary as hell, but you got to make that decision. But if you need it to work out, that's the problem. Like, I think the win begins in the pursuit of that will regardless of the outcome, when you go and do something that you don't think you can do, you change your world, you become in a new stratosphere. And I think that's the beginning stages of true happiness, to get yourself out of the comfort bubble that you're in and enter a new one. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte, identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hey, podcast people. This is Brandon and Evan. We got another one for you. Today, well, I want to ask you a question before I tell you anything. Are you happy? Are you happy? Do you know how to be happy? Do you ever wonder why sometimes you're not happy? I think it's a pretty big thing. I think we think about this a lot. I think it matters to us. And today we're going to talk about making your happiness a priority and why that's important, how that relates to art, how that actually relates to maybe even a philosophy of how to do your life. And our pre-discussion was very interesting because I think we opened up the floor to some very cool ideas that we want to bring to the table where that's going to go. I don't think either of us know, but we thought this is a really important discussion because happiness and joy and purpose and all this stuff, it, it, it really can be a guiding factor in our lives. And it often relates very closely to our passion and our drive and our, our goals and our, our art and whatever that might be. So Evan, <laughs> why why in the world do you want to talk about this my man <laughs> well i mean why i want to talk about this is you know like like many things on uh on our show here is i often want to talk about things that uh that strike me as being important for myself <laughs> to get into i have a, i have a vested interest in the conversation and and understanding it more and I'll just put this out there that like, you know, for someone like myself, if you're a person who is like myself, uh, you don't necessarily make your happiness a priority. Uh, it's not necessarily something that you think about in a conscious way. I know it's something that I recently realized. I'm like, oh, it's not something that I really consciously participate in. My happiness is more of an unconscious thing that is occurring. So, which is to say that I, of course, do things that make me happy. I do things to make myself happy. I think that most of us, you know, are kind of geared that way. We, you know, we pursue pleasure and we try to avoid pain as a, as a kind of general, <laughs> as a general function of, of being a human, you know, we, we kind of follow along those lines, but I realize that there's just this whole side that I've kind of been neglecting, which is just like, oh yeah, I don't necessarily make my happiness a priority. I kind of will, will put myself into a, a state of like having to grind things out, having to just sacrifice, having to, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just kind of take the shitty end of the stick to a certain degree and, and accepting that as a sort of lived reality. And realizing that it's like, well, hang on a second. We can make our happiness a priority and, and noticing in my own life that with keeping that in mind, that it's transforming my experience, my day-to-day -day experience of just my, my own life of how I approach things that maybe in the past, uh, I have resistance to or things that I don't wouldn't necessarily associate with bringing me happiness, but finding that I can bring 
happiness to what I'm doing, you know, or I can find it in the things that I am doing. It's not just about doing the thing that makes me happy, but about finding the happiness in what I'm doing. And that's where I think that this is, can be a very powerful thing is, is that it has, it has, uh, far reaching implications. I mean, I think that we're going to definitely get into some of the pitfalls, um, uh, of, of what, that can come from this um, or maybe not necessarily like the pitfalls, but maybe some of our misunderstandings around happiness and, and because I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh, we'll just do whatever the hell you want and whatever the hell makes you happy all the time. Like that's not realistic. We all have responsibilities and obligations and, and, you know, things that we have to, attend to and not all of them are easy things to do as artists we have a tremendous amount of resistance to doing the things that we love very often so this isn't about just like just being i mean in some ways it is about just being happy all the time but it's about how do we make that a a conscious effort in in everything that we're doing in every single moment i think fleet it, it can be fleeting I think happiness can be fleeting. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And I've also heard, you know, people say it's like happiness is a byproduct. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I, 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 I understand that as well. You know, like happiness is in many ways a byproduct um, of the things we do. But I think that happiness can also be a way that we approach things too. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a byproduct perhaps. Yeah, I think it can be joy. I think happiness can kind of be um, an experience that is more sustained. And I think it's a lot. I, th- I think it's a lot about how you're going after it and the way you're trying to attain it, which is important. And I think, you know, I think the emotion of like being happy, you know, is is nice. But I don't really think that's what we're talking about at least not in my perspective it's not like i don't want to feel sad and i don't want to feel angry and i don't want to feel these other things because you could be happy and be angry you could be happy and be sad and i think that when you're inclusive of the other emotions you actually can have a more sustained sense of happiness but when it becomes happiness or bust I think that's when you kind of run into problems and that's mm-hmm. where it becomes fleeting. Um, I think that there is, at least in my observation, there's happiness from like pleasure, you know, and that that's very like immediate or, or, or gratification, you know, getting something that you want, you know, there's a happiness in that, but it's like, that's such a limited part of happiness because there's happiness from purpose and meaning and connectedness and um, a certain amount of like feeling and flow and all that can can be happy and it's I think when we limit our experience of happiness to very few things that's why it becomes so elusive and, and difficult to just hang on to and I think the avoidance of pain is part of the problem. I think a lot of people spend a lot of their life trying to avoid feeling pain because they've attributed pain to suffering. And it's like, pain's going to happen. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. that's part of life. You're going to feel pain. And, you know, to find a pleasure point or a pain point, you you need to be willing to go into both. And I know we're going to get into that, but you can be in great pain and have great purpose and be super happy. But mm-hmm. to some people, if they've never really been really, really connected to purpose, if they've never re- really had a deep meaning or a deep sense of self, pain can just be so debilitating. But when you find a deep meaning, like I really want to win this game or accomplish this thing or do this whatever, then pain is kind of like, I don't mind the pain because I know what I'm doing it for. So the pain is kind of weirdly enjoyable in the whole process, but you got to get to the point where you have something that's about 
it's more than just how you feel right now, because how you feel right now, I just don't think that that, I think happiness, you know, some people I've heard them call it joy, but like, I think happiness is a feeling, but I think happiness is also a state. And I think what we're really talking about is, is not just the feeling, but the state as well. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, both of them, but I think that probably in many ways more so, uh, yeah, like the, probably more so the the state i i would say the the state of of happiness um or even happiness as as a practice you know um because like i said i i think that um i think that we have kind of a a, a choice in this thing and to touch on something that you said there it it makes me realize it's like well our happiness has a lot to do or at least happiness for a lot of us, maybe even for most of us, uh, operates kind of on our expectations. You know, like what we expect of the world, what we expect to come out of our efforts, um, you know, how we expect things to play out. Just expectations have a lot to do. And so it's, it's um, that's when it becomes a very fleeting thing and it beca- and can become the pursuit of happiness can become a very painful thing because there's just so much hung up and so much attachment in your happiness being as the re- being the result of things being a certain way and this is i think that what i'm trying to get at is something that's that's deeper than that it's a deeper kind of happiness that's that's again that's that acknowledges the reality of our circumstances and our world and our lives and what's happening right now saying like, okay, yeah, this is what's happening. And maybe this isn't what I would choose to, to be happening, but where is the joy in this? Where can I find joy in, in this moment that, that I'm experiencing right now? And we can very often find that, that there is some joy to be found, you know, like, you think of of you know for myself a number of years back you know we had a we had a family tragedy you know we a family member died to cancer um you know far too young and you know it it everyone was was devastated you know like it, you know they left behind you know a, a teenage daughter and and uh, everyone's sitting around you can't ignore the darkness of that situation but at the same time because I had to go go you know fly back to to where I was born and stuff in, in order to attend the funeral and, and be there but I was there and with people who I hadn't seen in some of them who I haven't seen and hadn't seen in many years um, and we were still all together in our grief, but we were all there in some ways celebrating being with each other. You know, like there was lots of laughter and, and, and love that was being shared. There was lots to be joyful about in that moment, you know, like, and, and that's a pretty extreme example of this, you know, like, but we can, we can kind of, shrink this down into just little things day to day uh, that we can where we can make our experience of things just a little bit more joyful we can inject a little bit more happiness into into the mundane of of our lives sometimes i like how you brought in expectation into this conversation on that part where you're talking about that really made a lot of sense to me because I think when we sum happiness up to getting what we expect, it becomes very limited. And I think that's why people tend to take the safer, more predictable option in life. And it's not very rewarding, but they do it because they can kind of predict the outcome. And when you're attached to outcomes, 
when you need things to go your way and you're controlling, trying to control that at least, I think that you really limit your ability to happiness. And I think that's why a lot of people resort to having vices or, you know, doing things that they know aren't really good for them and they don't necessarily love that they do or want to do, but they're going to give them a predictable outcome. And they want that prediction and that prediction to come true because that makes them feel happy and in control. And I think that when you detach happiness from control, you actually free yourself in a big, big way. And I can pair this with, um, you know, with the uh, acting and auditioning and stuff. It's like, well, if you're going out to get the role and if you don't book it, you're not going to be happy. Well, you're setting yourself up for disaster because mm -hmm. like, it's a very competitive world and it's not even that it's competitive. It's not even that you're competing necessarily with everyone else. It's just that it, it's a, it's a bit of a gamble. There's, there's an odds to it that are not really in your favor in that, in that, right. So what you really need to do is you need to learn to enjoy actually performing. You need to learn to enjoy embodying a character and mm -hmm. doing that truthfully and, and having fun doing that. Because if you're not going to do that, like you're not going to like acting, it's not going to be for you. But yeah. like a lot of things in the arts are like that, you know, you're going to, you're going to write a lot of scripts that, you know, aren't going to work, or you're going to write a lot of words that aren't going to work ultimately, or, you know, you might make a lot of paint strokes or play a lot of chords that don't really go together. And that's part of the discovery of it. And mm -hmm. I think that you can have a new happiness if you're willing to, which is the happiness of curiosity and discovery, which is that it didn't go how I planned. I didn't even know what I expected, but I found something and it, and it was beyond expectation. And I think there's way, way more joy in that. I think expectation is one of those things that literally strangles our happiness. And we, we need to learn to let go of that and not need things to work out the way that we think they should. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and one more example I'd like to bring in is just like in the dating game, for example, you know, you like somebody, you got a crush on them and you want them to like you. Uh, maybe even ask them out. Maybe they say no, maybe they reject you. Maybe it just doesn't turn out the way you want. And you could find that devastating. Or the person you're dating breaks up with you and you just thought, this is the one. And it's like, that's where expectations get to crush you. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you got to let it go and you got to be okay. What is there in this that, that I can find that isn't about what I thought it should be? Because if you can let go of the expectation, you can learn and you can discover. And I think that when you get into the realm of learning and discovering, expectation becomes less relevant because it's more about what did I learn here? What did I discover? And then you incorporate that next time and the next time and the next time. And you might have a lot of um, learnings and discoveries, which are failed expectations, as we want to call that. But it's like, but eventually all those learnings and discoveries, they add up and then you become pretty good at something. You become capable. And that mm. can bring you a ton of joy. And I think that also, you know, the the more we can sort of rein in our expectations, the the more present that we become, you know, because we're not we're not looking for something to be a certain way or trying to control things into going a certain way, you know, like that's you know, like the more that I think about it, it's like yeah, like with X. It, when we have rigid expectations, especially, you know, like it's, it puts us into a state of anxiety because then we have to control everything that's going on. We have to control how everything's doing. And it's like, you know, you can, I'm sure a lot of people can, can relate to that, you know, like, cause everybody's got like, I mean, we're all fairly controlling people in our own, in our own ways, but you know, like there's that one person in the family or that one person in the friend group, you know, who is just like, they've, they've got like the itinerary for how everything's supposed to go all the time, you know, like everything is planned out and they're just like, you just watch them and they're uptight, you know, like they're just uptight the whole time. It's like, okay guys, it's great, but you know, we're, you know, we, we've got to go over here now, you know, <laughs> and everyone's just like, we're having a great time right now. You know, this person is depriving themselves of just enjoyment, 
you know, because it's just like their eyes always on like things going a certain way, trying for for this outcome to to happen the way that they imagined it or wanted it. And and it's it's almost like it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in in many ways that it's not going to work out because almost nothing ever comes out to expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of the way of, you know, that's that's the way of art, you know, like yeah. Like nothing is ever you know, you, you set out with with a direction in mind. You're you're heading in a certain way. Can but, I can I pause you for one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing important, like nothing really valuable is gonna be expectation. Not bad, but not necessarily the way you thought. And and I think actually I just want and the reason why I want to stop you is because I think most things actually are they come out to expectation and you don't care. Like you take them for granted. But the well, things it just that wasn't matter, your expectation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the but the things that really matter, you have more weight on your expectations. That's why I think you experience more like devastation and more like dismay or upset feelings because it mattered. And I, you know, this goes back, Evan, to the last talk we had, and I went on a big rant. <laughs> you can live the safe life. And and it's not that safe at the end of the day. It just isn't. It feels safe because you get all your control, you get all your expectations, but it's very, very empty because it's very small. But when you when you really care and you make things meaningful, you know, like the the when things don't go your way, and the expectations don't get met, you know, the, people get upset and then they, they just, they aren't allowed, they don't allow themselves to be happy. And yeah. my motto, and I totally kind of cut you off and I apologize, but my yeah, motto. <laughs> it's what oh, I geez. expected. Oh my God. What a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least I'm aware of it. So, you know, I'm working on it, buddy. Um, but my motto is this is like look you know when something matters it it really only takes one for it to really like just bring you ultimate joy you know what i mean like you don't you don't have to succeed every time when it really really matters you know you can have a lot of things that really matter it don't work out but if one does it can be life-changing but if you have a lot of little things that don't really matter that work out they aren't life changing necessarily. You know, they like, don't, I'm not discounting the little things. The little things are important, but like those, those things you really want to do in life. Like for me, travel to Europe and, and, and make that feature film and do this certain things, you know, that, that I really want to do in my life. And it's like those things, you know, or whatever, like, driving to LA, which I did, or going to New York, which I did, those things really like they were life changing, but like the, the, you know, certain smaller things like, yeah, well, I got what I wanted. I got what I expected, but like, I can't even tell you what it was. Cause I doesn't matter that much really. Yeah. I, I remember a long time ago, I'd written like a stand up joke about expectations. I can't remember what the whole thing was, but I remember that like the final, bit of it is like and even when you do get what you expected it's still not what you expected (laughs) you know in some way it's still like it's still not quite what you expected like it's just this thing that's like it's impossible it's impossible to ever have what you expected to have like it just life is kind of funnier than that you know (laughs) it's like this it's like a cosmic joke um but yeah i to, to to bring this back in i think that yeah, like our expectations definitely rob us from from elements of of happiness in our lives. Um, I mean, I want to maybe bring this into into just how does this work in sort of practice? Like, how do we practice happiness? You know, like I've been I've been figuring out ways you know i've been kind of this is something i've been exploring but you know maybe that's something that we can just get into right now like how how do we turn happiness and joy into a practice in our lives because i think that there are or maybe where we need to begin is why would we want to practice happiness and joy in our lives like it might seem like a stupid question but i don't know 
Maybe it isn't such a stupid question. <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's a good direction to go. I think it's the thing of maturity. You know, I think you got to start in a very immature kind of way. And the immature way is just do something that's fun. Do something that you like. Like, just pick some things that you enjoy to do right now that'll give you that kind of immediate gratification gratification you know eat some ice cream uh, play some video games you know um do do something that's fun and and i think that's where it begins i think that's the first initial part of the practice and i think that it needs to evolve and mature from there but i honestly think that's where a lot of things just need to begin and i i think that if you end it there you miss the point of this whole thing but i think a lot of the time that's where you got to start and so, and I think that there can be overindulgence in that immaturity step too. So you have to be careful of that. But I think in the beginning, it's like, what do I like to do? What is fun? What would be enjoyable right now? And I think if you can begin there, you can start down this path. And then a more evolved state, you could imagine, would be like, I'm working on a project that won't be done for a year, but working on it feels good because I know when the year is up, and this thing is near the end, that's going to be so, it's going to feel so good. And you kind of project that big, big, good feeling down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels good to do something that's maybe more purposeful and meaningful in the moment, but isn't necessarily like that kind of pleasurable joy thing that you were doing in that kind of immature stage. And then I think you can do both. I just don't, I don't think you have to do just one, but I think that's, that's my thought. Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, I think I like what you would, where you're leading this down into because you know i think that it is very important in in many levels like is is that we have our sense of of a direction that we're going you know because if we have no sense of direction of of what we want or like we you don't need to know exactly what that is but you need to have some kind of a notion just to get you moving in a direction that and by that i mean it's like you know, it's that calling. It's that thing that you feel compelled to move towards. You know, that I think that that's essential because if you don't have that, then then I think that that's when just the the pursuing happiness beca- can become a destructive thing because it, it can throw you into a kind of a limbo. I think it can even throw you into a kind of depression as well because it's just everything's kind of aimless and it can be fun for a little while. Don't get me wrong. There's, there can be great, um, there can be great pleasure in, in just kind of an aimless, uh, in an aimless sort of, you know, period of time in your life. But I think that we need to have some sort of direction that kind of scares us, that takes us into the unknown. Uh, I've, I've been reading, I just started reading this book called uh, The Third Door, and there was this line in it, and it was like, it was something like, our our greatness or our, our greatest success um, doesn't, it does not, does not lie with comfort. You know, it's just like, the, these things don't lie in comfort. Like, there's, the, our best selves, you know, don't come out in comfort. You know, like we need to to push ourselves, you know, towards something. And that something is usually our calling. You know, at least this is this is my belief on the situation is that our calling is not always an easy thing to do. And in fact, it's usually the thing that's going to challenge us the most. But there is that that's just kind of the path that we have to take and, and we just have to accept it. Um, and I think that what we're talking about here with happiness is in saying that like, okay, we have to, we have to move towards this thing that we are called to do. And sometimes it makes us really afraid. Sometimes it scares the shit out of us and it's full of uncertainty. There's, it, it is often does not give us comfort it does not give us a feeling of security or safety um but there it's 
in many ways more unsafe for us to not listen to that calling. So it's like trying to to just manage with those forces that are are working within us. You know, that, you know, this thing that's just like, we have to go this way. And this other part of us that's just being like, no, I don't want to, because this is just, this is scaring the shit out of me. And I think that this is where I'm seeing the real value and power of learning a practice of happiness, which is how can we go towards that thing? So it's, it's not just aimless or happiness isn't just an aimless thing, but there's an aim to it. And it's something that can actually bring us more fully to life um, within within this thing that we are are moving towards. You know, how can I find happiness on the way to this thing, you know, mm. in, in the pursuit of whatever the hell this thing is? I don't know if you have to ask the question, how do I find happiness? As, as much as it is like, I, I, I do think that a lot of the way you're going to find purpose is through going for something that makes sense right now. You know, it's, it's like, you don't need to know where that's ultimately going to lead and what door that's going to open up. Um, you said a lot of stuff and there was a lot of avenues I would have loved to jump down, but <laughs> I'll, I'll go down this one because I think it's relevant now. But when I was 16, 15, somewhere above that, 15, 15, um, my, uh, I remember, well, let me start here. I was walking through a sports store with a bunch of my friends and we walked by this bike and it was a full suspension iron horse mountain bike. It was fucking beautiful. It was awesome. We all walked by and it was like the shiny sports car and it's just like, wow, look at that thing. And uh, I just was like, I looked at it and I just remember it was like love at first sight. I saw this thing and I'm like, I'm going to buy that. And, um, I remember I was talking with, uh, <laughs> I was talking with my dad about it and he's like, well, you know, it's like that money. Cause it was a pretty expensive bike, especially at the time, but I had some money and I was like, this is what I want. And, uh, he's like, you know, you're about to get your license, all this other stuff. It's a lot of places that money could go. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just thinking about it and I kind of had a heart to heart myself. And I was like, no, I want, I want this bike. And it wasn't just like, I didn't want it because my friends liked it. Like I saw it and I was like, I want it. And I, I went out and I bought it. And that bike and I went on so many adventures to places that people will never see because you didn't have the kind of vehicle to go do it. And the amount of nature that I explored and the way I got to explore it through downhill mountain biking and just, you know, sometimes uphill, sometimes up and down, you know, but um, I would just go on adventures on this bike and I had this awesome vehicle to go do it. And it was an investment, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the pursuit of that bike in the whole scheme of my life. You know, I'm not a downhill mountain biker and I didn't intend to be, and that wasn't the plan either, but I wouldn't change or trade those experiences for anything. They were incredible and how much they inspired and formed other decisions I made. Because after I bought that bike, um, the guys who I was walking through, um, the sports center with, they were like, they were blown away. They're like, I can't believe you bought this bike. Like when you said, I'm going to buy it, we thought you were just kind of like, joking and then you went out and you got it like and i was just like but i was so dead serious about it but it gave me this mentality in my mind which was that if i say that i want something that i'm gonna actually go do it and it started to inform a belief in me that i could get what i wanted and i could have what i wanted and i didn't have to make excuses and yeah, there was sacrifice, right? Like, cause I had to give up a certain amount of my earnings. I had to give a certain amount of whatever savings and whatnot, but it's like, I think that there's a, there's, um, it's like, you don't necessarily know why you want to do something, but you know, in your heart 
And, 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 and this is something that nobody can tell you. How do you do that? You just, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you for myself, you feel it. You feel it in your heart. You feel it in your bones. You feel it in your soul. It's like something is calling you to go do this thing. And when you honor that calling, it opens your world to a new stratosphere. And in that stratosphere, you can begin to see things differently. And you just don't know if what you're doing is the point or if it's the point to get to the point. So I really think that real, this, this like making happiness a priority, like I made that a priority. I saw that bike. I wanted that bike. And I knew like, I'm going to be able to go do this with that tool that I, I'm not going to be able to otherwise. So it was it, boom, went for it and then open up a world. And there's going to be times where you're like, I want that. And you just, for whatever reason, you, you, you just, you're unable to get it. You don't have the money. You don't have the resources. You don't have the access, but it's good to acknowledge that, you know, it's good to acknowledge sometimes it's like, man, I don't know. And there's too much of a gap. Like there's too much of a gap between me and this thing that I want. But I think that making happiness a priority is acknowledging first, I want this. And then if you could have it, would you be willing to make the choice to do it? And if you are, I think that those actions of will will feel really good too. And it's scary. That's where the risk comes in. You know, it's like, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually go do it. It's like, I see the person, I want to ask them out. Well, could you do it? Are you capable of doing it? Now, you got to make that decision and that's going to be scary as hell, but you got to make that decision. But if you need it to work out, that's the problem. Like I think the win begins in the pursuit of that will, regardless of the outcome. When you go and do something that you don't think you can do, you change your world. You become in a new stratosphere. And I think that's the beginning stages of true happiness to get yourself out of the comfort bubble that you're in and enter a new one. And sometimes mm -hmm. when you enter the new one, you're the small fish in the big pond, but that's okay. You know, that's like, uh, that's part of this journey, right? It's like, but if you keep staying the small fish or the big fish in the small pond, and that's all you do your whole life. I mean, I just don't think it's very fulfilling. I think happiness yeah. runs out of that pond. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, um, that pond can, can dry, can dry up. You know, yeah. and you have to expand your horizons, you know, like, you know, change is the essence of life and we need to move with that. And it's actually kind of, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It keeps things fresh, it keeps things interesting, it keeps things engaging. You know, the, the fact that things always change, you know, we, we need it. We actually, um, you know, we... It, change is, is in many ways the thing that that nourishes us as as human beings it nourishes our our evolution and so absolutely like I, I think that what you're talking about is you know there's sort of this big picture happiness you know which is the happiness that comes from choosing and following the call choosing and following the passion and all of the challenges that come with it. And there's a delayed gratification that comes with that. Um, but it's, um, and not just because it's about getting something, but because there's, there's something within that journey towards it that, that feeds that, that change and that evolution within ourselves that helps us to that that makes us grow in ways that that we can't possibly even understand you know or know you know when we when we set out how we're going to be changed by this this thing this calling that we're in pursuit of and in many ways that again the happiness is is a byproduct of that but choosing to do it has has set in motion a kind of potential for joy and happiness in our lives. And I think that there's also, that's kind of on a, on a big picture thing. And then I think that 
you know, it, in many ways, the thing that got me wanting to talk about this was, was, but I'm glad that we've, we've brought it into this big picture thing is that there's this whole small picture that, that's going on in there too, which is absolutely essential and vital because if we're in pursuit of this calling and there's no joy along the way, you know, we, we can definitely stop short of, of following through on something because if it's all just this big, serious drag, you know, just this, this slog the whole way through, you know, and, and that's how it feels the whole time, you know, again, how it feels, um, which has a lot to do with how we're seeing it, how our, our perspective on it and how we're approaching it. Um, you know, that's, that's no good either. You know, like there's like, that's, we can be in pursuit of this big thing that, but, you know, we're talking, most of, of life is spent in that in-between space, you know, like it's not, you know, if, Every story we read, every movie that we saw was just about what happens at the end. You know, well, then we might as well just go straight to the end of the movie, you know, but it's not the point. There's this whole beginning and this middle part that give that ending its meaning. You know, it's the only reason why that ending has any kind of meaning It's because there was this whole in-between phase and we are mostly in that in-between phase, just like every story that you've ever seen or read. Um, and I'm very much interested in, well, how do we in inject more happiness into that in-between phase, into those things where, where shit can get tough, where, you know, you've really, you've got to do the work, so to speak. How do we work more with with more joy? How do we follow that calling with more happiness, you know, and, and for me, just asking that question, how do I make my happiness or how, how can I make my happiness a priority right now? You know, and suddenly there's just little things that I can do, you know, that, that just suddenly add a, a sense of, of lightness and levity to whatever's going on to prevent it from getting kind of bogged down in the seriousness and the scope of this pursuit. Hmm. I, I was kind of, I've, get, I've been kind I of speeching you. a little bit no. today, but I get you. That's, that's good, man. Yeah. Don't make it so heavy. Like I'm surprised it took us this long to get to that. <laughs> but what a, what a good point that you wouldn't want to skip over on this talk. I mean, that's part of the problem. <laughs> we just make things too heavy. I mean, I went off on like, you know, you need to make things meaningful and, you know, connected and all that stuff. But like, sometimes actually you got to do the opposite. Like, I mean, I, I get that it's really important. And, and I get that there's certain things that like, they're, they're like intrinsically organically important. Like you don't have to try to make them more important. Like, yeah, it's no, like I, the relationship. Yeah. It's yeah. Like relationship no, I, I, Sorry, we just keep on talking over top. <laughs> but no, I, it's it's funny because you're saying it and I was just like, I was just thinking that because it's just like, you know, it's not about making things meaningful. It's in many ways like I, I think that our lives have inherent meaning built into them. And yeah. in many ways, it's about discovering the shit that actually has meaning to us, being surprised at the things that are truly the most meaningful to us and saying like, okay, well, that's the way that I'm going. So I'm glad that you, you kind of, you brought that, that you brought that in. Yeah. And, and I mean, meaning is like, there's certain things that are like really, really important to us, but like, we have to, I think, find the lightness and find the, the, the funniness in some of this stuff. Like, you know, people, people do silly things, you know, and, and sometimes you care about them and you watch them and they're walking into trouble, you know, and, you just you you're trying to help them not do that but they for whatever reason they're just going to go do it you know it's like sometimes when i'm coaching people to write a script it's like okay well i always encourage everybody i'm like look 
if at some point, you know, you want, you've just you got to go off and you got to go this way, I mean, hey, that's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. But like, there's a structure here. There's a plan. Try to stick to it. And I try to tell people, I was like, you can go off the rails. You can go off the plan because the plan is just a way to help you to and complete the goal we're trying to do here, which is get you to have a completed script at the end of this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what I try to tell people in the beginning is like, look, the problem with going off the rails early before you really know what we're doing here is that you won't realize the mistakes that you made. And then you'll have to backtrack because once you go a little bit further down, you're going to start to see, Hey, I made that mistake and that's what got me. And there's no coming back. Like there's certain mistakes. Like for example, let me give an example. So people understand if you have a character and too early in the story, they're your main character, your protagonist, and you, and, and we hate them. We're not going to want to follow their story. So if they're really dislikable and there's nothing redeemable about them and we despise them, unless they're super interesting, which is kind of a, can happen. And that will make us follow it unless they're super interesting or we have something likable or something relatable or something that makes us care. We will probably not care about the story. It will disband it. So you can take a terrible person, terrible character with low moral morale and morals. And I mean, just, not ethical and just a shitty human being, but you could make them interesting to follow and we can be curious about their story and we'll go. But there's certain things that if you break those rules, we will not care about your story. It doesn't matter how good it is because that person is our vehicle. And um, if it's a multi-character story, the same kind of thing applies. It's a little different, but like, basically I'm like, okay, look, sometimes people will have to go off the rails, do it wrong. And then they can see, Oh, I'm seeing why this doesn't work. And then they go back and they can start again. And it's like, I feel like people do this in life, you know, and I, I imagine not that I am a parent, but I imagine what it would be like to have a kid, you know, your kid's going to go off and make mistakes and you're going to have to let them because that's how they're going to learn. And you kind of got to like, well, you know, that's a kid being a kid, <laughs> you know, that's a screenwriter being a screenwriter. That's an actor being an actor, like, like, trying to emotionalize it or trying to say it in a cool way. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's funny. And then hopefully by making the error, you can kind of like, but if you get like, Oh, no mistakes can be made. I have to take this so seriously and anything that goes wrong. That's where I think you, like I said earlier in the conversation, strangle the happiness out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. You got to enjoy kind of doing some things wrong and, I like what you're bringing in here. And I feel like there's so many other areas we could talk about this, but it's like that levity, bring the levity in, bring the sense of humor, like take the weight off a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of the, the questions or, or just maybe not so much a question, but just a, a way of looking at it, a thought that has helped me is just to ask what, is my happiness asking of me? You know, what is happiness Mm. asking is asking for me to do right now? And sometimes the, the answer that comes seems is very bizarre. Like it, it seems counterproductive, you know, like sometimes the answer just like, you know what, just like, just blare some like rage against the machine right now, you know, and just like, and just like fucking rock it out. Just like, just like rage out a little bit right now. You know, that's what my happiness needs right now. It needs to have just like some kind of a a release valve opened up. And it seems bizarre because we think of like happy, you know, it's almost thinking of happiness as like an entity of some kind, you know, like that also has its calling that it's making on us. Um, so I, I think that, I don't know. I, I just think that it's like, it, it can ask things of us that see, that don't necessarily fit the mold of what we think of as being happy, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know, light and flowery, flowery, you know, it's like, you know, no, sometimes the happy is, is, is in, is in something kind of like raw and raunchy or something, you know, like it can, it can be found in all kinds of different spaces. And, and I think that we need to, to learn to listen to that and to honor that. So yeah, it's like, what is, 
what does mm. happiness want for me? What is happiness asking for me to do right now? You know, and I think that that mm. question, you know, can help us to bring some lightness into into what we're doing. You know, it's like if you're a writer and you're staring at that blank page at this book that you feel so passionately about, you, you know, looking at that screen is just like, holy shit, like I can't fucking do this right now. And you ask, okay, well, what what would make me happy right now? What What is happiness asking right now? And it's just like, you know what? Like, just sit down read a book, you know, read, read a little bit of this book that you're, that you're into right now, or put on some music or whatever the fuck it is, you know, like it could be, it could be anything. It's about paying attention to what is being asked. And, and for myself, at least through, through asking this question, it's like, okay, I've honored that thing that needed to be satisfied. And now I can actually sit down and do the work. And now I'm actually enjoying the work that I'm doing. It's not, it, do, it doesn't have this heavy, serious feeling to it. It's, and when I'm in that state, like I'm in such a more creative and open state when, when I'm, cause when you're, when you're just tense, you know, and you're focused and just trying to get things right, like everything just starts to shut down, you know, like it, your creativity really starts to flow when you're in a more relaxed space like and so in many ways it's just like mm. okay let's just do something you know sometimes happiness is just like relax relax a little bit right now find some way to do that to just ease the tension you know and then and then everything that you do from then on can sort of take on that quality of joy and i think that any work that you do that that you know takes on a certain quality of joy even you know, like Gabe was talking about this in a few podcasts, you know, ago is that with with art and creativity is that even when you're creating something that's kind of dark, you know, like it, even if it's like, you know, it's a sad song or or, you know, movie or whatever the hell it is when you're creating, there's a kind of joy. You know, like when you're really creating, when you're really in that creative space, there's still a joy in it. There's still something, something beautiful, hopeful. I don't know. There's, there's something that's, that's within it that comes through it. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I actually, I find like part of my artistic expression comes through a form of sadness, which in a weird way, it helps me to find a deep sense of joy. And I don't know, like it's, yeah. I, I've been, I think as an artist, you start to find your voice as you do this more and uh, you just kind of focus on these types of things. But I found that my artistic voice at least is coming out through this kind of combination of silliness and sadness. And when those two come together, <laughs> something really fucking cool can happen. And, um, you know, I've, I, I've done stand up before and I've thought about doing more of it, but like, I, I was thinking like, well, some of my jokes, like <laughs> when I tell them, like, like I do this Joe job right now, you know, and I, I've shared with you, but I'm just telling everyone in the audience, I do this Joe job, drive a forklift, drive all this big machinery all around all these guys, mostly. And it's very blue collar and uh, very mechanical. But when I'm joking, I'm like, all these guys are howling. And at the same, I, I have this kind of part of me, which kind of steps outside of myself. And I'm like, this is a sad story. <laughs> this is my life some of this shit this is sad like <laughs> but it's hilarious because there's a silliness to it and it's like um these are things that i've maybe even cried over you know <laughs> but yeah like i've healed them and and i think that that's kind of part of the joy the happiness it's like catharsis is such an important part you know letting emotion come out and not necessarily just needing happiness to come out but letting sadness or anger um and I've shared this on the podcast before. I mean, the I went into a deep fucking dark depression for a little while and I didn't know if I would ever get out. And what got me out was when I first acknowledged how fucking angry I was. 
And I decided I would not let, I, I, I don't remember where I learned it from, but someone pointed out that um, anger doesn't need to be violent. It doesn't need to be like, it doesn't need to hurt anything. It doesn't need to damage anything. And that really, really stuck with me. And I realized, because um, I remember it was just a moment of rage and I just let out some anger, but it wasn't destructive. And it felt so good to just like let that out of my body that it started to break me from this whole thing. And I realized that I needed to have a catharsis with anger. I needed to like rage out without being destructive or hurting anybody or anything. I just need to yell and get angry and like, like let my body feel this shit. And that allowed me to heal it to the point where I could laugh at that shit now. Whereas at one point I couldn't laugh at it. I, I was just sad and hurt by it, you know? And I think happiness is often behind catharsis because you have to let out the anger and sadness and it has to have its forum so that happiness can naturally come out of it. And my goofy sensibilities now about some of this shit um, came out because I healed it through the catharsis of sadness and anger, you know, and probably a variety of other emotions related to that. But, um, you know, making your happiness a priority is saying like, look, I'm angry. I'm going to let myself be angry right now because I know that by letting myself be angry, I will get to happiness. But trying to be happy without letting yourself be angry if you're really angry or if you're really sad, I think is what stops you from ever getting there. So part of making happiness a priority is letting the emotions you have have a moment. So, cause that's the thing about emotions I find is like you let them, they're fleeting. You let them have their moment and they pass. But if you don't let them have their moment, they stick around. And the thing is with happiness, most people are not, not trying to let themselves be happy. And that's why it doesn't just, you know, get stuck. Oh, I'm so happy all the time. <laughs> like, I'm so I happy. Can't can't happy. you see how happy I am? It doesn't even make sense to us. You know what I yeah. mean? Because it's not where we get stuck. We get stuck in sadness and anger and probably some other ones, but like in relation to those, right? Well, we get stuck in them yeah. and trying. So I'm to just be... saying clear, cl yeah, open the dam for all yeah. emotion so that happiness can come out too, because it's a part of the whole emotional experience. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, and he's like, and now Brandon summarizes the Pixar classic inside out, <laughs> which we've talked yeah. about so many times because it's, yeah, it's a, oh that's a God. brilliant movie. It's a yeah. brilliant little movie that always that, makes me That cry. movie is like, that movie is like, um, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, I, I, I'm so closely related to that movie. It's like so much of my life is just like sadness sit in the corner <laughs> do not come out yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like no man that was like the fucking gold man just let let yourself be sad for a moment and then you'll start to realize there's way more fucking awesomeness that can come out of that but it's like yeah yeah you know it's i i feel a lot of people struggle with that right like we don't want to let ourselves get angry we don't want to let ourselves get sad i know i'm kind of focusing on that but like it's like i think that making your happiness a priority is actually allowing those to be as well well we're talking about all this happiness and i mean you know doing this podcast is a thing of happiness and drinking a fine craft beer is also a source of happiness for me <laughs> segway <laughs> like how i navigated that one nice. one of your uh, smoothest <laughs> yeah <laughs> Until I draw attention I, I to it. I saw you work. I could see you climbing the yeah. ladder towards it. And I was like, yes. <laughs> it's like, I know where this one's this. going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm drinking a um, a beer from Phillips Brewing and Malton Co. They are, they're always one of my favorites. They're such a, they're such a great brewery out here in British Columbia. Uh, and this one's called... Crangerine Dream. It's a cranberry tangerine ale. Wow. And that's that's a bizarre one. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's almost verging on a sour, but not not a sour, because they can be a bit much, but this has been uh very nice to drink. Very mm. Like, yeah, like it's got kind of that, yeah, like definitely get that citrus and that tartness, 
from the uh, tangerine and the cranberry, but it's um, it doesn't make you pucker. I guess is the <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I like it. It's not. I don't know if I would do I, if I would get this one again. You know, it's not a home run for me, but it's. Uh, I I have had no issues with with drinking it over the course of this conversation. So, there it is. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, those types of beers for me are kind of like that. They're kind of like a one off. I want to try this, see how it goes. That that would have been on my scale of like looking at a beer to get that would be on my high risk scale. <laughs> it would be like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to go there, but you know, um, as we make our way through every craft beer in the world, <laughs> so we'll be taking more risks. I'm sure. Um, mine's a Kolsch and it's called Wedgehead, and it's mm-hmm. from smugglers trail. Um, there's the can for anyone who's on video. I don't know if that can be seen. There we go. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good. This is a solid beer. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's a good one. I I recommend it. I like it. Yeah. A Kolsch is a Kolsch, you know, it's kind of like meant to just be easy to drink. Yeah. Satisfying. Doesn't draw too much attention to itself. Yeah. Oh, it's a solid, solid beer, you know? I find like beer, I find Kolsch's like, I mean, if maybe if I had a bunch of them together, I could maybe kind of compare and contrast and say like, oh, I like this one more, but I don't know. It's just kind of like, this is a good one. I do it again easily. So there you go. Um, All right. All right. All right. Let's wrap this baby up. All right. Let's tie up the knot here. Closing comments. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad that we, that we, got into this one we dove into a couple of different areas you know you brought in expectations and um and i mean i think that i think that for me it's like i don't know one of the interesting things for me was this whole like this this idea of you know having of the macro and the micro you know this this calling that we have like this that there's this path that that we kind of have to 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 take to accept um in order for there to be a kind of state of happiness that's that's even possible in in some ways um and just i don't know i i I think that there were some questions that were brought into this conversation of in terms of just finding ways to just inject some lightness into into our lives into the everyday um because you know from from just my own sort of experience of of doing this as a practice happiness is a practice is maybe maybe the last thing i want to leave people on is that like it's not it doesn't just have to be necessarily a byproduct state but that it can be a practice in everything that we do where we learn to find the joy in, in what we're doing or to either to find joy or maybe the better way to put it is ways that we can bring joy into whatever our situation is, whatever circumstances, whatever is being asked of us. It's there. Um, it's, it's there for us, uh, in, in every single moment and it just maybe requires our attention and bringing it to the forefront of our consciousness and again making it a priority to to bring this back into where this all started make your happiness a priority it's important i mean like you know like life has its challenges but holy shit man like life life is Life doesn't have to be uh, just grinding things out all the time, you know, like, and it, it can't just be about everything uh, or, or happiness being dependent upon some expectation or something being fulfilled down the line. It's something that, that happens right now and can happen right now uh, when we're, when we have the, the mind to, to 
call it into call it into existence, I guess. I agree with you. I, I like the point that you made is like bring it to attention and being conscious about it. And I don't I don't I don't interpret that as like, oh, I just I need to be happy. I'm I don't like it's it's more like just being like, well, if I was going to be happier, what or if I was going to be happy, what what would that take? What would what would happiness ask of me that it needs? And um I think if you're trying to get things to feel happy or you're trying to control the outside world, I, I just think you're not gonna be happy. <laughs> I think that's funny, actually, when people do that. And I, when I do that, I think that's funny. I, um, and I think that you need to laugh at yourself. And I think the big takeaway that I'm taking away from this is to make it lighter, you know, to just not make everything so heavy. And, you know, to to kind of put things in the direction of, like, I, I want to see what's silly about all of this, like, you know, it, I think that I think that you can have things that are really important in your life, but I think that you got to just like not make them heavy. You know, I think you need to be able to laugh at yourself, like see the mistakes you made and laugh at those and just kind of be like, well, that was silly. Like, you know, and, um, like for me, I mean, here's a maybe more concrete example is like, I made a mistake in the past and I can beat myself up about the mistake that I made or I could laugh at it. And that's kind of what I think I'm going to do when I move forward. It's just going to go, well, that was ridiculous. Like, I, like I just think of some of the things I did and I was like, <laughs> it's funny and it can be funny. But there's sometimes what I'll do is like, oh man, you're such an idiot. Why'd you do that? You know what I mean? And it's like perspective. It's like, you know, if if happiness is the priority, let's look at it the way that's gonna bring about more happiness. Let's let's go about it in a way that'll bring more happiness. Let's not go about things in a way that takes us away from that. And let's see that that's valuable and important and make it so. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.